0: I want us to become brothers again, like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. It's rare that we often end up watching the same movie without planning for it, so we thought we'd discuss. So I have to say, guys, um, coming out of Asteroid City, I was probably the most disappointed or maybe just unmoved. That I've been after a Wes Anderson movie for quite some time, and I don't know if you felt similarly or if it hit the right notes for you.
1: No, I would say the same thing. I was a bit surprised because, so I, I've I've generally been a big Wes Anderson fan. Like I've I've liked almost all of his films. I, I thought even uh, you know I think I had uh, a Grand Budapest Hotel was my top film of 2014. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was like kind of a culmination in a lot of ways. I I liked Isle of Dogs a lot. Um, French, French dispatch, I was more muted on. We did a whole podcast on it. Um, but, but I actually liked quite a bit of it. I think, uh, as individual stories, uh, I like a lot of the performances and stuff like that. And when I heard that for a lot of people saying asteroid city, maybe his, uh, some people are saying things like, Oh, it's one of his best. It's a return form. I mean, you, you can't take that stuff with, uh, you know, you gotta take it with the greatest salt, right? Um, because there's always somebody who says, they say that about every Spielberg movie. They say it about every big director who's, you know. But uh, so I was expecting it to be, and especially given the setting of, you know, 1950s space race, Americana, alien, you know, all that stuff. I was like really excited for it, you know, uh, obviously, but but in the end when I came out of it, I'm like, I don't know, maybe was I tired? Do, do I need to watch it again? I've heard people say that it opens up a little more on a second watching because there's some things with the movie to me that were a bit surprising or disorienting about it uh maybe we can talk a little bit about a couple of those things not so much the alien thing; it was more because you know he's he's dealt with like those kind of things with like the the shark and creature and like life aquatic and stuff. Yeah, like that, right. So it wasn't it wasn't that. It was more the framing element actually. I think the framing element of the film doesn't really work for me, and that for me is my biggest thing. Well, Having it, it this lets like you, let's terrain, get into the framing, know, what, what but I want to hear what he likes.
2: Uh, <laughs> so, like in the midst of watching the movie, I was like, "Is this another French Dispatch thing?" Because I was like, kind of, I was chuckling at him, like. This is fun. This is very busy. Um, This seems to be almost cliched Andersonian style and approach. And so coming out of the movie with some friends and they're all kind of like, yeah, that was fun. But that was kind of like a lark. You know, that was like, that was a good time. I'm happy I saw it. Um, I don't know what if there's like that much there to it. And I thought that was like kind of the case for a little bit. And the movie has stayed with me for the last several weeks to Hmm. the point where I'm kind of mulling. I'm writing... As, uh, as we record this, I'm in the midst of writing an essay that will, who knows if it shows up on the site before this is published. Basically, I think the movies without getting thrown on, um, giving away my whole hook, but I think the movie is like a really interesting bookmark for Anderson at in his career. It works really nicely as a um, late stage variation on Rushmore in a sense specifically from it for its like theatrical approach and the, the presence of Jason Schwartzman is the central character mm-hmm. uh, being a movie about loss and about yeah, people not that, yeah. understanding basically people who what the process of disenchantment within the modern world and how that is borne out within like a quintessential American context and whether there is a possibility of re-enchanting any of it. And so I understand what you're saying about the frame narrative that it's a little bit confusing. I think we were texting about the Sanders that like the, Scene where it goes one extra with being like too much of a meta commentary where it's the whole like actors therapy session where they're like, you can't dream if you never go to sleep. You can't dream if you never like they do that. And I'm like, you're underlining your point of the movie too hard to be like, hey, guys, my movies are dreams. And so if you never surrender to the busyness of the style, this the artistic and aesthetic approach of it, you're never actually going to come away from the realization that is possible with art of this sort. And it, but it's too defensive. It's like at moments yeah. the movie is a little too defensive. But I actually don't mind it being super self-critical or self-interrogating because I actually think at this point in time with Anderson's style and his lair- layers of, of narrative storytelling, he actually has to justify himself at this sure. point for having so many framing narratives yeah. it's like so at some point just tell a story unless you have some interesting thing to say about it right. that is only possible through the frame okay and Again, i think ex- the, the frame i'm looking here.
1: forward to reading your essay i think what you're saying i i think that some of that stuff might open up for me on a second watching um this is but this is what i will say that there's something about the choice to deal with actors in a kind of um you know method acting that whole 50s style clashes with the aesthetic of the looney tunes uh desert uh you know rocket thing like those things odd, don't, don't you really be... fit together to me they're like but it like, also why did you choose that frame for this story i don't yeah like why that. why method acting
0: yeah exactly because he, he's like the exact opposite of method acting Film. And it's
2: and it's not like it, any of the performances in the movie are actually like like the Schwartzman and the ScarJo. Those performances aren't really method either. No, they're too, like, in they're fact, t- in fact, stylized. I'm going to go to the point to say at this
1: point, <laughs> it's not even that they're stylized. I like stylized acting. I'm getting to the point with some of the some of Anderson's performances where, which I don't get in his earlier films, which to me still have a touch of like. Uh, There's a there's a new Hollywood kind of like edge to them in Royal Tenenbaums and even in something like Life Aquatic and and stuff like that. The emotion, or you have to have the flamboyancy that like Ray Fiennes brings to Grand Budapest Hotel, but they're so muted in this film. Like I felt detached. I felt like I couldn't engage with their emotions in what I was supposed to feel. I like I know what I'm supposed to feel about that. The, the subtlety and the tenderness of this like this man mourning the loss of his wife, unable to tell and connecting with her. But I was like, but I, I left it like I didn't care. But don't you find it more
2: Brechtian than anything? No, it's because
1: it's not actually uh, distancing enough to be. Brechtian. I found it pretty distancing. <laughs> <laughs> but but not in a like provocative Brechtian way, but in a kind of like you're putting me to sleep here, man. Hmm. That's fair, and it shouldn't be that way because I actually think the set design and all that other stuff is really cool. The tone's very flat in this film. Yeah, it's super yeah. Flat.
0: Well, everyone's doing a Bill Murray flat, even and though funny he's enough, not Bill in the Murray movie. couldn't be
1: in it because of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> no, but so he was supposed to be the Steve Carell character, but he he got sick. Always
0: okay, but like so there's so many layers of mediation, right? Like, so if, if art is about representation, he plays Anderson increasingly places more and more like acts of representation between like what you see and like what, like what he's trying to say or what the meaning is. And I, sometimes I'm just wondering like, what's the point here? Cause you can do that. So someone else who loves the art for the arts sake is someone like Tarantino. And I think you can use, I think this is definitely a style that filmmakers can take, but in a few of his, particularly in the the last two Andersons, I don't know if it's getting in the way of like what he's actually trying to, if there's like whatever the meaning of this movie is, you're like, is this actually the best way to tell this story or are you just getting so hung up on having like a bunch of clever little bo- um clever like bookends and you know framing devices for it and i also find that it's maybe getting for at least for me it's getting in the way of having moments of emotional connection with the Mm -hmm. characters and that anderson's films are always they're muted emotionally but there'll always be a scene or two of, of like poignancy or deep emotional connection that somehow like bring everything together and like rushmore will have a scene like that like i'm thinking of like you know like the royal tenenbaums when um Luke Wilson's character is like, you know, committing suicide. Like, and a lot of it sometimes is about or even actually just the little choice. moments,
1: like when Ben Stiller's like, you know, having a really hard year, Dad. Yeah, you know, like stuff like that, or like even well, there will be the, the end ones. of yeah. like uh, Budapest Hotel. Like, has like a there's a like, you're kind of stunned at the end when it kind of like goes where it ends up going. Yeah, it could have fallen into a much more but I man mannered, you know.
0: But sometimes the power and sometimes this was always an early criticism of Wes Anderson. People would say that, well, his choice of song carried too much of the emotional, uh, did too much of the the work to generate emotion. You know, if you go back to Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, like there's certain scenes where you're like, is this a great scene or is it just he found a great song? And that, that's <laughs> like what caused the feeling there. And you know, I don't want to relitigate because I really love those films. But I, in this one, there's not even like any songs. I was like, oh, that's like a great needle drop.
2: Oh, like, I, I, I disagree don't with that hugely. Well, what would, what was yours? You do? All, I love the Bertle Ives music. I love the um, the use of um, "Don't Forsake You, know, My Darling" or, or uh, yeah, like the, the the High Noon song like in there. And I I actually Western but, stuff, yeah. I actually yeah, really I like don't know Western if it music. For me, I, so, yeah, I, I really like don't that don't... kind of
0: music. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it So, like, here's worked.
2: the thing that I'll, this is has nothing to do with my essay, but it's, um, I think it's extremely obvious with this movie, and I don't know if you guys have really read this, but so, when Anderson first came onto the scene, specifically with Royal Tenenbaums, the, Royal Tenenbaums, the most obvious connection, which seems to be never brought up anymore in discussing them, is J.D. Salinger. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's the story of the the family of geniuses, and they're all messed up. That's yeah. that's basically Franny and Zoe that's um I've always done Seymour Raise High the Roof Beam Carpenters right This this movie is very much Seymour an introduction which is the other half of the uh Raise High the Roof Beam Carpenters collection
1: hmm.
2: and it's it is a story that. about it <laughs> It is essentially giving you the life of this individual within the stories. The whole thing is that Seymour was the brilliant older brother who's going to be the greatest and he kills himself. And it's like trying to understand his life and the mundane aspects of his life through the lens of the fact that, you know, he offs himself. And so it's like the, the actual initial introduction of the character is already flavored by the metatextual understanding that the character is dead. And this movie is like doing that within its like frame device and its whole exploration of these characters. It is, it is but which literally is the character. Well, in characters? this, it's it's Jason Schwartzman is like the central character in it. Like he's he's the emotional linchpin because he's the linchpin within the different phrase both parts of the narrative. Right. Yeah, and he's so he's the mourning father, but he's also the actor who does not understand the play or does not. He's trying to unlock something in both versions right and so you get these weird so the, the scene in the movie that made me immediately think of Stallinger is the early scene when he goes in and auditions for Edward Norton's playwright yeah and he makes the comment of being like why does he burn his hand and you're like in your brain you're like you know if you watch movies well enough you're like oh it's some scene later he's gonna burn his hand and it's like I don't understand why he does that and then he like gives this little like flourishes like well maybe it's this he's like but I still don't really get it And then later he does it and it's this like inexplicable thing. And so we're already – we're actually unable to process the event without already understanding the the commentary of the event in the context of its initial occurrence, which is the thing that Salinger does, which is a very strange literary way of understanding human like cognition and memory and like just – it's it's a very strange but very nineteen fifties like American literary device. And so the I don't know. Maybe just because of this and because I like the Salinger book so much, I found this very intuitive in its layers. And and I found the emotional moments actually worked far better than they did in, say, French Dispatch or Isle of Dogs. And I've I've had a little bit closer of like a Moonrise Kingdom experience with this where I I'm like I'm already predicting that the next time I'll have a better hmm. experience with it. Not to mm-hmm. say that movies deserve a second viewing. I think that's bullshit, frankly. Um, if your movie doesn't work first time and it's in a big theater, you screwed up because people. You shouldn't expect people to pay twice to see your movie to like it. But I didn't. I guess I I came out with the film
0: not having like I really like Moonrise Kingdom. Um, it'd probably be in his my. It'd be in his top five for me. I don't know where in that top five, um, because for me that movie really taps into true feelings about adolescence and in asteroid city where I'm left with is like, I'm not sure what's like true about this movie, which character like there, for me there was, there was no moment in the movie and there was a couple scenes where I thought it was trying to be the scene that was trying to convey that for instance, like when, um, Jason Schwartz, Jason Schwartzman's character, the actor version talks to, uh, Who plays his wife?
2: Margot Robbie.
0: Yeah, Margot Robbie, and um, like I thought, felt like that 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 scene was supposed to supply a lot of like emotional weight to the film. Clearly, some things together. The only
1: scene she shows up in.
0: But like I'm partly like I didn't, you know, if I go back to Rushmore, like you know, um, Max Fisher again, who can be hard to read, but like you really, he's also tapping into a certain aspects of like adolescence and teenagehood, which which connect with me, Um, you know, uh, or just like sometimes like the frustration, some of his other characters feel some of the older Bill Murray type characters will feel in some of his films or things like that. But like in this one, I just, there was no one who like seemed true to me. And like Schwartzman didn't really on either of those incarnations. Like I'd like, like, I, I, I sort of enjoyed the movie, but for me, it, it really actually felt like life aquatic, which I haven't revisited in a long time, but Hmm. Like after I watched Life Aquatic, I was very hyped to go see it. And afterwards, I sort of felt like, hmm, that was all the pieces of kind of like what I thought I'd get in a Wes Anderson movie, but it didn't really come together for me. And there was a scene that was supposed to be like some of the emotional stuff between the father and son. like, And again, I was like, yeah, like it just like didn't connect with me. And like this one, I'm having that similar
2: feeling. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm i not saying I don't like love this. I, I, didn't, was, I didn't, wasn't coming out of this being like this. One of his best. It's just I thought it was better than French Dispatch, and but the only I'm surprised is, why it's sticking with me. And I, yeah. th- I actually think that my well, way in is explaining yeah. it. <laughs> like, well, I think because
0: yeah. Sal- Salinger is such an important um, influence that 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 will actually be like illuminating to hear more about that. I one thing I will say about this movie was that like so I think also the French Dispatch, which is also extremely like overly complicated in how it tells its story. But I understood what the frame device was. Whereas at times yeah. within this, I didn't quite understand like what is what and like what are the layers? Like what what's the frames within the frames? Sometimes I was getting confused about what the framing was because the whole thing's within this kind of like TV yeah, uh, narrated by Bryan Cranston, this sort of like TV special talking about a playwright's history, I guess, would be like layer number one. And then we go in. Um on a positive note, I will say that like I was actually surprised by how much I thought Tom Hanks did a good job of being like in a Wes Anderson movie. He obviously was kind of playing a bit of like a Bill Murray type character. Although I didn't realize I assumed Bill Murray was going to be his character and not the Steve Carell. But um but you know, so Tom Hanks did a good job in it in terms of like connecting. I thought Scarjo uh surprisingly was like less effective.
2: I mean, I think she's such an emotionally muted actor in general. Like that's is her affect, even in her yeah. best movies. She's yeah. very internal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it kind of fits. It's weird how many layers of like actress playing the actress playing the actress. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I do think like the thing with what Anderson at this stage in his career is just is he being too clever by half? And Some I think the answer is probably yes, because there's a reason why Rushmore I think is like far and away his best movie, because his the whole thing is that it breaks down the facade of his own stylistic approach, his own aesthetic. Yes. As a childish, a childish way of understanding the world. He's the Max Fisher. Yeah. No. And I love Darjeeling Limited because it's actually the other movie of his that has emotions that break down all the other stuff. It's like, no, these characters have feelings that are like so authentic and so genuine that it the the frames of his film cannot contain them. Um, but all of his other movies, even ones this. I really, really love. Like Grand Budapest Hotel, are a little too busy and a little too clever. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. Oh,
0: I think with Grand Budapest, the the busyness is actually part of the appeal. There's something like it's it it overwhelms the way that the the character uh, Gustav M like does like yeah, zeroing. So his, his style in like um like matches like the the films. I think
1: that movie hinges on Ray <laughs> I'm
0: not sure if like with this new one also like again. You know, I, I, I don't know if I said this with French Dispatch, but I kind of feel like all of his movies are stop motion at this stage. <laughs> it's partly just the way he like the, the shots and the actors and In all fact, this works. And what I've revisited but I the didn't most last love,
1: decade is Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know if I love his stop motion as much. And I don't know if I love the intrusion of it into all the films now. Like, I don't know if like the alien character like worked for
2: me. I like the stuff. Roadrunner. Runner. <laughs> But because that's kind of like a joke in the back. There's a gag. You know?
1: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it is it is kind of funny to be like at this stage where Wes Anderson, who I think ten years ago we all would have agreed is like one of our favorite currently working directors, now I'm just like, oh, that's another Wes Anderson movie. Okay, yeah. I hope it's like really good and not just good. I feel like yeah. he's becoming. Uh, well, okay. I don't no, know. He's Woody I Allen. This, I said this, this last, last time. time. Yeah, no, I know.
0: I don't. I just don't want him
2: to become like he really just is. Like, <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> <laughs> Take that as you will. <laughs> this isn't the beginning of something, Augie. Isn't it? Is it? Probably not. Unless maybe it is.
0: I don't like the way that guy looked at us. Okay. The alien.
2: Well, how, did he, how did he
0: look like at look? Like we're this? doomed.
2: maybe we are
0: thanks for listening as always and we'll catch you next time goodbye Mr.
1: I bid you farewell